need something impossible. You're familiar with the phrase, man's reach exceeds his grasp. Is the lie? Man's grasp exceeds his knowledge. Society only tolerates one change at a time. First time I tried to change the world, I was hailed as a visionary. Second time, I was asked politely to retire. <laughs> so here I am, enjoying my retirement. Nothing is impossible, Mr. Angio. What you want is simply expensive. If I were to build for you this machine, you would be presenting it merely as illusion? Well, if people actually believe the things I did on stage, they wouldn't clap, they'd scream. They would think of sawing a woman in half. Mr. Angio, have you considered the cost of such a machine? Price is not an object. Perhaps not, but have you considered the cost? I'm closer to the golden dawn Immersed in Crowley's uniform Of imagery I'm living in a silent film Portraying Himmler's sacred realm of dream reality Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 152 of the Matinee Cast. It's the movie-loving podcast of my movie-loving website, thematinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. It is truly difficult to think of many people who have had more of an impact on my film literacy since I started the Matinee and its predecessor than today's guest. Between her deep, deep love for the classics and how that has influenced my appreciation of the classics and her year-long mission in 2015 to dive deeper into the world of women in film and how that affected my approach to that too, uh, she has basically just left her thumbprints all over my movie going dna and uh to make matters more interesting every year just this one day we get together it's kind of like our own little weird version of the lauren Scherfig movie with jim sturgis and anne hathaway but without the weird and tragic third act that allegedly happens i haven't even seen it but now i know there's a weird and tragic third act so we are across a wire to north hollywood california talking to the brains behind cinema fanatic a site you can find at cinema-fanatic.com and the architect of a year with women mariah e gates is back on the show how are you mariah i'm good how's grover (laughs) nobody's gonna get that (laughs) (laughs) we will be discussing the 88th annual oscar nominees in all sorts of ways and manner um and also the music that you hear in between the breaks um instead of the normal Uh, drop tracks from bands like the roots and uh, white stripes and so on there are selections from the nominees for best score and one last thing before we get going um we are going to skip past the usual know your enemy section for two reasons one is because mariah is officially my most frequent guest so i i would be writing a sixth round of know your enemy questions for mariah and i just i had nothing i i've almost exhausted my options so i just deferred for another year for one two um we've done something a little bit different in honor of mariah's year with women we've got a special batch of questions just for her so come on back after this it's a special version of know your enemy right after this
For those who do not know, Mariah, why don't you explain? Because we kind of skimmed it uh, on the on the Gone Girl episode, which was your only full episode that you've ever done where we talked about one film. Um, yeah. Explain to people the the idea behind the Year with Women and what it was all about. Well, it's it sort of took a, uh, over a few years of me growing tired with the, all the movies I was watching. Um, not necessarily the classic movies, although like post '80s movies were becoming problematic because. There's, um, the male gaze is real, and it was just killing me, and the, like, inherent misogyny in so much movies made made by men, directed by men, written by men, aimed at men, and most of the time it's not even, like, misogyny that they intend to put in, it's just so rampant that it's there, sure. and it was just driving me nuts. So, um, I started watching more films by women, and then I saw two films in particular. One's called the a girl and the or the girls in the band, and the other one is called the punk singer. That just changed everything. They made me realize that um, I should have, as a woman, be seeking out women artists all along, and it made me angry at myself for not having done that. And, and then it made me angry at all the people who had been like my teachers who also hadn't done that. Which is sort of what the women in both those documentaries talk about coming to that realization that if they didn't do it, if they didn't look for it no one was going to show it to them. So that led uh, two years ago to Female Filmmaker Friday, where I wrote about a film directed by women by a woman every Friday for almost an entire year. I started mid-January. Um, and then halfway through that year, I was like, what if I did a whole year? What if? And, and um, after finding at least 100 films on Netflix and realizing because I live in L.A. that there's at least one film in theaters every week directed by a woman, some weeks as many as seven, um, it's, it was entirely possible. And so starting last year, that's what I did. I just, every film I watched in theaters, at home, including rewatches, um, were, were films directed by women or co-directed. It was amazing. And it was obviously a big year in terms of the media actually talking about this problem. Um, in my wrap-up post, I sort of sprinkle in a lot of links that I had been saving throughout the year of think pieces and investigative journalism and, and all kinds of um, pleas from female directors who are working and those who shared their stories about being blacklisted and all kinds of stuff, um, which is a really fascinating, fascinating year. I kind of think, I, not think, I kind of hope it's the beginning of something. You know, like I, I, I sort of, I really hope that like each year it gets better and better. Oh, I definitely, I definitely agree. I think people are starting to, not only in terms of uh, behind the camera and in terms of like the hiring practices are being looked into, which is super important because yeah. that's, that's a change that um, us as consumers can't, can't change and us as journalists and things like that, like the actual investigations and possible, you know, government action that that'll get it changed, you know, but also people are being more savvier consumers, which is sort of what you were saying in your introduction. Um, people are thinking, wow, I only saw, like I've had several people just in the last two weeks say, shit, I only saw two movies last year directed by a woman. I should have done better. Um, or I never even thought to see how many I was watching. And, and then they'll look at their own, you know, percentage and see how bad it is. And it, and some of these people, you know, they, they were watching like Four percent were directed by women, and then the um, top-grossing films is nine percent. So they're not even doing as well as the numbers. And I've um, pointed out many times that those numbers are box office numbers. Yeah. It's nine percent of box office, top box office, are directed by women. 
that means 100% we can change that number because if if uh, if we had if as many people who said they want the change had actually gone and seen McFarland USA, which is my like pony because I loved that movie and it was a huge movie and it was in so many theaters and it didn't make as much money as it should have made. And if every single person who said, ah, there should be more female directors actually went to that movie, it would have been the number one movie because it was opened in, in like February. It was a shitty month. Yeah. And it should have been the number one movie. I was like, going to say, like, you know, if, if nothing else for a lack of options. It, it was, it was, uh, it was But it was right such there. a good movie. And then so many people saw it after I, like, kept talking about it all year. And they were like, wow, this was a good movie. And I was like, yes, yes. it was. So, and, and to be clear for everybody, these are films that are directed by women or and or written by women. Last year, no, what I did was just directed. Oh, okay. In honor of uh, Mariah's Year with Women, we've constructed five Know Your Enemy questions specifically surrounding um, her experience and women in film. So, starting from the top, uh, Mariah Gates, what, which heroine do you identify with most and why? All right, this was the easiest one to answer because it's it's been the same answer for 20 years, and that is Joe March, specifically... Uh, Winona Ryder as Joe March in the 1994 version of Little Women. Okay, why Joe? She is so badass. <laughs> she reads tons of books. She does. She like talks in funny voices. She throws away marriage proposals that she knows aren't gonna be good for her because she knows herself enough to know what's good for her, which is like really shocking because in so many movies, women get in these problems because they don't know themselves well enough. Because women often aren't allowed to know themselves well enough. And because she had Marmy, who also was kind of my, like, I wish she were my, you know, if I could have a movie mom, it would be Marmy. But my own mom was very similar to Marmy, so it's kind of fine. Um, she encouraged her daughters to, like, know themselves and to realize that their intrinsic value is based on who they are as people, not as objects or as someone else's, you know, whatever. And because of that, Joe is so badass, and she just, she knows what she wants, and she knows what she wants to do, and she knows what she has to do to get there. And she's not afraid to try it, even though, you know, she cries sometimes when she knows she's like, ah, oh, this is just not working and I'm not in the right place and I don't know how to fix it. And like her mom just like really encourages her to go find the right place. And it's oh, such a good movie. Such a good character. Want to guess who's never seen Little Women? Is that you? That's me. Do you know what you need to watch this year? Little Women? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give myself time enough that I can see if I can get to reading the book, too. Because I, I really should, um, and it is it it was uh, one of the ones I had circled. Um, I've got a list of sixty or so that I'm pulling from for the fifty two. Um, not not, like, in, not including like stuff that may come up in Hot Dogs and Tiff. So that and that was one that I had circled. It's been my favorite movie off and on, and per- mostly on since I was eight. I'm about to turn thirty, so that is most of my life. I saw it in theaters. It was one of the early movies I saw in theaters, I loved it so awesome. much. Oh, God. So and Joe March. So the next question is coming up quite a bit lately, but uh, I thought we might have some fun with it. If you could recast any movie with an all-female cast, who would it be? And for bonus points, who directs? So I decided to go with Reservoir Dogs. Nice. Which I do love, um, but actually haven't rewatched in so long that I'm afraid to rewatch it. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know? So, okay, so. This is, I'm going to start with not the, not the color guys. I'm going to start with Joe. So Joe Cabot's going to be Angela Bassett. Nice. Right? Yeah. Okay. 
And then Nice Guy Eddie, which I guess will be now be Nice Guy Edie, is uh, <laughs> T- Tessa Thompson. Okay. I feel okay. like I feel like she's got she's got a nice face. She seems like a good fit. Okay. Right. Now all the misters are gonna be misses, obviously, or Ms. Probably Ms. Miss, yeah, I'm a Ms. Like Ms. Yeah. I'm I'm a fan of Ms. Okay. So uh, Ms. Orange would be Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. That's the Tim Roth character. I, I just, this is, took me the longest. I was like, who could be an undercover cop? Emily Blunt. Yes. You know, because she's like a good actioner. Uh, so then Mr. White, I decided should be, or Ms. White should be Gina Torres. Okay. I think she's the right age Not for bad. that. Not bad, yep. Okay. So uh, Mr. Pink yep. needs to be someone who doesn't take anyone's shit and is kind of sassy. Yeah. Taraji P. Henson. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Love She's it. a professional. Love it. Yeah. You know? Okay. I am loving the I am loving the explosion of her career lately. Like I, she's she's somebody who's been around for so long that it's like, how is she just now really getting noticed? Right? Yeah. I don't know. I she's don't know. in another movie you should watch this year if you haven't seen it, because it's a rom com with a message, but it's not like an overwhelmingly like preachy message okay. is uh, something new. Okay. I'll, I'll go looking just, for it. Just added that to Netflix. It's Sonal Lathan, but Taraji P. Henson's in it. All right. Very good. Okay. So then uh, Mr. Brown, yep. which I'm not going to have the director be in the movie. Cause, okay. cause whatever. why, 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 no. why spend two bullets? Right. So I decided, but I still want it to be almost a cameo esque. Sure. Performance. So Mr. Brown is, or Ms. Brown is going to be Kristen Stewart. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And then Mr. Blue, Ms. Blue, is going to be Diane Lane. Nice. All right. Uh, I love her. And she's got a nice be- age range going on here. I'm digging this. Okay. Yeah. And then the last one, Ms. Blonde, cutting off ears, is clearly Rosamund, Rosamund Pike. Oh, man. Okay. Right? Yeah, someone's yeah. gonna be sadistic and cut off someone's ear. It's gonna be Rosamund Pike. Yeah, I, I think we saw flashes of that in Spy, um, but um, no, that that's oh, okay. And sorry, and who directs? Oh well, okay. So I have this this uh, theory that every movie would be better if it was directed by Jane Campion. <laughs> so, <laughs> I try to imagine what Jane Campion I'm would not, do. With I'm not la- listen. I'm not laughing at that concept. That that is, that is a wonderful concept. I'm not <laughs> laughing at that. I'm just laughing at the concept of Jane Campion directing Reservoir Dogs, just because it seems so uh, uh, different from from everything I know of her work, including in the cut. Um, but I I love the idea. I, if, if, I think if, I think if, she could do it. I I know she could do it. <laughs> I'd actually love. To, I'd pay handsomely to see that happen. That's really good. I, I love it. Um, well done. Um, and and I just want to say while we're on this topic, it was me who floated the idea of an all female. Uh, Ocean's Eleven, which is now allegedly going ahead. Oh yeah, if, yeah. If you go Dan back, Bullock. go back, to, go back to my Monuments Men episode. I I spun that shit right down the line. I gave everybody, <laughs> and uh, I I I know I had Pam Greer either as the Mark or the Money. I can't remember which. She was either the Andy Garcia. No, she wasn't the Andy Garcia. Robin Wright Penn was the Andy Garcia character, so she mm. would have been doing the uh, the Elliot Gould character. And I was pretty damn proud of myself. And now Hollywood's doing it. So screw you guys. That was my idea first. Um, in your year of women, what was the best discovery you came across the film you might not otherwise have come to? Uh, this, I've been like 
singing the praises of this film for on like every podcast I've done. So um, I'm glad to talk about it again. It's called Just Another Girl on the IRT. Okay. It's by Leslie Harris. It actually was uh, aired on TCM during their Trailblazing Women that they did in October, where they did Tuesdays and Thursdays with women. Nice. Films directed by women. And I was, and the director came and, tw- and tweeted, and it's wonderful because it's the only film she ever made. It got picked up by Miramax, I think, and released. And it's sort of, it's the only film she made, and it's like kind of, it's got a very strong point of view in the way that Spike Lee has a very strong point of view. Okay. But like take Spike Lee's very strong New York black man point of view and turn her into a woman who has is talking about women's issues and how teenage girls are treated in New York City and that's what you get with this movie it's so it's so fabulous it's it's sort of like uh in a way it's kind of like obvious child because it's about a a, um an unplanned pregnancy and the after and the after um the after effects of that but in but it's not an, it's not about abortion it's about a girl who thinks she knows a lot and turns out that she doesn't know much at all hmm. sorry the, um, t- the title again it's just another girl on the irt and the final question i couldn't i couldn't actually come together with five which is good because you're giving me long answers so it's okay yeah I, I talk a I, lot I, I call this pulling <laughs> julie Taymor. um that um Last but not least, we're I'm curious about a director muse pairing that you were especially struck by this year. And I should specify that in this instance, we are talking about a female director and a male muse, as opposed to the inverse of something like Pedro Almodovar and uh, Penelope Cruz. This time, we're we're thinking more female male. So, what do you got? Uh, so for my answer on this, it's actually from two films that I saw prior to this year. Yep. Um, and that would be Ava DuVernay and David Oyelowo, because mm-hmm. uh, he was in her two later films, uh, Middle of Nowhere and obviously Selma. Um, I did, however, see her first film, I Will Follow, right around this time last year. It was last January. Nice. Because um, they finally added it to Netflix. Yes, they did. Um, but he's, it was he's in her next one, too, the Katrina movie that she's working yeah, on? Yeah, they're, they're I think they're working on a couple of projects together. It's kind of wonderful to see um i'm looking forward to seeing like what their creative you know it's cool you know when every time you go to make a movie you get the band back together it's it's really cool to see um like that kind of symbiosis yeah Um, i think they're working on a tv show together also i think so and yellow is really cool because um, so if you look at his IMDb page, he's got four films in production right now in the next year or so. Three of the four are female directed. And if you dial back a little bit, a film that came out last year that played at TIFF, um, Five Nights in Maine, also female yeah. direction. He's been he's been very, very outspoken about his words are we are lesser for having less female storytellers. So this is a guy who really, really walks the walk. Well, there we go. There's our, those are four Know Your Enemy questions um, specifically tailored for Mariah's year with women. And, um, you know, we like to we like to celebrate uh, special achievements. And that, that was a really, really cool achievement. So I'm glad we could spend some time talking about it before we get into Oscars, which we will do right after this.
So last week, the nominees for the 88th Annual Academy Awards were handed down. And if you're new to the show or new to my site, it's really the nominations that fascinate me most. Um, it's It's been my experience that nine times out of ten, Oscar will get it wrong. It's as much their fault as it is not their fault because... First of all, you're judging art, and how do you even do that? But the other thing is, you're trying to assign an award that everybody looks back on and second guesses um, without the clarity of hindsight. So you're, you know, you're handed a film. You think about it. Maybe if you're lucky, ten months later, a lot of these movies you're thinking about days and weeks later in terms of the context of their achievement, and then you know you're you're handing out a winner so it's usually the class that interests me more than it is the ultimate winner which is why we dedicate a show to who was nominated instead of who won and why so we talk about the big eight categories uh screenplay acting directing and picture this year there are 16 films scattered across those eight categories uh mariah of course you you're a few pegs behind this year because of the year with women how many of these 16 films have you seen i'm i'm looking now i've seen one uh let's see here these are all things that i've watched starting in this january by the way you've been busy no because none of these films are directed by women no one two three and there's and there's only and there's only two writers yeah, so, I think I've seen three. Awesome. So you have homework to do. I uh, I've got I've seen all but one. The only one I haven't seen is Forty Five Years, and we will get there. Uh, so in the adapted screenplay, we've got The Big Short, Adam McKay and Charles Randolph, Brooklyn, written by Nick Hornby, Carol, written by Phyllis Nage, The Martian, written by Drew Goddard, and Room, written by Emma Donahue. Uh, so uh, of these, so are there any of these that you have seen? We could start. I with saw that. Carol. Hey, how about that? So let's talk about Carol for a sec because um, Carol's been an interesting study for me. We'll get there later when we talk about omissions, but it it missing the cut for best picture was a little strange. But I've seen such mixed reaction to Carol that I didn't expect because I was one of the people who, when I first saw it, just flipped. Have you come across mixed, mixed reaction to Carol? Yeah. Some people in my office thought it was boring. Okay. And I did not say what the lovely variety people said uh, yesterday, which is what I wanted to say to everybody, which is you're not gay enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's too gay for you. But it's it it was really, um, and it, the thing that the thing on top of that and is that it's also very lesbian. It's not just super super gay. It's super lesbian, and in a way that I think we haven't seen often enough in cinema for that language to really translate to everybody. Yeah, because a lot of a lot. I mean, it worked. Not everyone who was not a lesbian like didn't get it. A lot of people did, but. It's there's such little little things that are so huge. Yeah. That if you don't know that it's huge, you're you would just think it's boring. Yeah. I have a question. Do you think perhaps as well that it's too melodramatic and people just don't have the neurons for that anymore? Because holy hell is this movie Douglas Sirk 
and I like I don't know how well those kinds. It's of not even would it's not play. even as Cirkian as I wouldn't call this Cirque to be honest. It's not as Cirkian um, as it's not like, as Cirkian as Far From Heaven, but it's Far From it's Heaven Cirkian. is Cirkian. This this for me is more, and he and Todd Haynes has said this. It's more of, of a riff on Brief Encounter. Which yeah. a, a oh, lot totally. of people that I know who've seen Brief Encounter have this same feeling as Carol that it's too cold and that they don't they don't they thought it was boring. Like if if you don't like Brief Encounter, you think it's boring. If you do love Brief Encounter, it's you 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 get the eroticism of yeah. the little moments. And I think it's going to be that same sort of film where it's just if if the little moments work for you, they work for you a lot. And if they don't work for you, you think it's boring. Yeah. Um, looking around at some of the other nominees, Brooklyn. I'm I'm a Nick Hornby fan, so I'm really really thrilled that he got nominated. This is his uh, second nomination for adapting a novel written uh, about a woman That's and right. turning it into yeah. a best picture nominee. Yep, yep, it so. is. Um, the Big Short is an interesting one that kind of snuck up on a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people really anticipated it becoming such a contender and it really just ran a great little campaign. Like it, it's, it's one of the films that broke late. It was like a, a late December release and just kind of seemed like it might be one of these things that just drops and goes, but it nailed like everything. It nailed things with the actors guild. It nailed things with the directors guild. So it's, it's kind of incredible that a guy who was, best probably really best known for uh will ferrell movies and funny or die came uh and i'm talking of adam mckay here the film's writer and uh, director came up with something this sharp and serious and i think he he has said several times he didn't think he was going to get this film made because it's so not quite what he's known for doing and he worked on you know the screenplay because he's a screenwriter as well as a director and we're talking about screenplays, but um, you know, half of the film, half of his filmography is screenplay only. Yeah, and I think this is one where he loved this story so much that he came in and was like, "I'm, I'm gonna fight really damn hard to be the one to get to make this," and um, it worked out. Yeah, and then which, we ha- which is probably why it's so good is it's he it's you know like a lot of these films by that that kind of director make are like director for hire kind of stuff, and they you can tell. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. but when they put all their talent and their effort into like something they're really passionate about, it comes out really well. Totally. And then and then of course we also have Room, which is written by Emma Donahue based on her own novel, which that's not it's not super duper rare, but it's kind of rare and it's it's also very cool. Yeah, it's a better story than um some of these other like films based on novels that came out last year, 50 shades. <laughs> um. <laughs> no no that's oscar nominee 50 shades so best original screenplay we have bridge of spies written by uh matt charman and the cohen brothers ex machina written by alex garland inside out written by josh cooley ronnie del carmen and pete doctor along with meg lafave spotlight written by tom mccarthy and josh singer and finally straight out of compton written by a lot of people um but notably, we may as well start with Straight Outta Compton. It is the only, it is the film's only nomination, and of course, it's given to the white folk. Yeah, it's it's so awkward, and I don't even like I don't even know what to say because I part of me feels like, 
and I mean, I don't know, maybe people actually know these writers, but like part of me feels like the voters were like, we gotta, we gotta get some diversity in here. So Straight Outta Captain was a bunch of black people, right? And they <laughs> voted for it, not realizing that the screenwriters weren't black. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Whereas if they wanted to do that and, you know, take the easy road, Creed was clearly written by black people. There, There's that. There's that. But like, And Creed would have counted as adapted because uh, sequels count as adapted. Yeah. yeah. You know what? You know, it's kind of crazy. Like looking down this list, I'm, I'm actually a little bit bummed out with the state of the original screenplay that they decided to nominate because this is the category where I tend to think of movies like her or eternal sunshine of the spotless mind or you know like the really or magnolia the really weirder stories that are just too kooky for really to to really win best picture or like most of wes anderson's movies turn up here and i like ex machina sort of gets there and i'm certainly thrilled that inside out is there but the rest of these movies just seem really safe for original screenplay they they do and and especially because they're they're true stories so it was like the screenplay is original because it's not based on a novel but the mm. story's not actually original yeah like three, yeah shit 3 out of the 5 are are based on true stories yeah you know we we don't quite know what's going on inside of Riley's head but um it, it could be true we don't know ex machina is an interesting one cuz there again we have another author in Alex Garland um which is crazy considering that he directed that movie, but he's getting nominated for the script. Um, you, you haven't seen that one yet, right? No, I kind of... That has your boyfriend in it. How have you not I, seen I, that? I know. I love Oscar Isaac so much, but I don't... I just There's something about that movie I just didn't even want to see now that I can see, see it. I'll, I'd, I'd actually... I'd, if, I, if I could make a request that you do, because I'd really be curious to hear your thoughts <sighs> on it. I know, I know. I just... I think... There, there's there's more to it and i'd really be curious to hear your thoughts um inside out just broke my heart so i you know animated movies don't stand a chance in this category which is really a shame because my god is that movie so gloriously complicated when it could have just been you know children shouldn't be sad spotlight of course is the movie that uh you know took a story though every that's actually a really really um that's quite an achievement actually with spotlight because it took a story that we all knew it, it did the Titanic effect and it really, really made it sharp. So, and made us all miss newspapers all at the same time. So spotlight they actually uh, sent out in their press kit, a newspaper and a cassette of this, of the, um, the yeah. score. crazy, right? And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I miss cassettes so much. Yeah, yeah, me too. So, you know, uh, so that's the writing. We're going to take a quick break now and come back on the other side of this with the four acting categories. So come on back. Welcome back. I'm here with Mariah E. Gates. We're talking about the Oscar nominees, and we're going to move on to the supporting categories, starting with the women. Best Supporting Actress, we have Jennifer Jason Leigh in The Hateful Eight, Rooney Mara in Carol, Rachel McAdams in Spotlight, Alicia Vikander in The Danish Girl, and Kate Winslet in Steve Jobs. Now, the story here 
is something that was basically underlined as category fraud, which is to say that Alicia Vikander and Rooney Mara really and truly in their movies are not supporting characters. They are they are leads. Alicia Vikander, absolutely. Rooney Mara is a co-lead. The only reason to possibly think that she isn't supporting is that pretty much anybody, when you put them next to Kate Blanchett, becomes supporting because she's just that much of a powerhouse. But what what's your take on that? Of Yeah, I, I definitely think this is a case of they are allowed to put... Uh, submit their character their um roles where they where they say like that's that's how this campaigning works yep. and if this is this is essentially whoever's managing this campaign looking at the field and saying we have a better shot in supporting they did the same thing with kate winslet um or they tried to do the same thing with kate winslet several years ago um where they were trying to, su- to put her as the reader as supporting mm-hmm and they pushed it as supporting, and it didn't work. And she ended up in the best actress category, and it was bizarre because she'd been campaigned as a supporting actress, and people were like, "No." And then she, and then on top uh, of all this, she won. won. Yeah. So in in this case, they managed to convince enough people. No, no, they're really supporting, which is in a way offensive because they're saying that the Alicia Vikander character is supporting because she's a wife, and they're saying that Rooney Mara is supporting because she's younger, essentially. And the and Rooney Mara one really is bullshit. the Rooney Mara one is really hard because it's very much her it's, story. It's her movie. It's you know, and that that's that's the thing that I don't get. Like I I, I almost think it's because she's the younger actress, she's the not as seasoned actress, or or just they thought that putting the two of them in together would split their vote. They're probably right. Um, this is the Weinstein's movie, by the way. And, yeah. you know, first of all, why does that matter? Second of all, so be it. You know, if, if it, 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 it's not the end of the world if Kate Blanchett doesn't get her third Oscar um, just to knock somebody down into a lesser billing. Th- this is one thing I actually think that the Tony Awards do right. They actually send their people out to see the various shows and they designate where oh, you great. yeah they designate where you are they're like so then we've got uh kate winslet again doing her her awesome stuff in steve jobs this is her seventh nomination that's nuts earlier today i thought she was the youngest to get seven but actually it was meryl meryl was 38 kate is 40 but that's 40 wow insane yeah right i, I didn't actually know kate was 40 oh until i was looking this up i feel so um, old <laughs> i would like to point out that i am super excited for rachel mcadams yeah because i've been a fan since the hot chick <laughs> and if you like rachel mcadams and even if you don't like rob schneider watch the hot chick because just for her she is so funny in that movie. There was an interview she did a while ago where she says the one thing that she loves about living in Toronto is being able to go to the light box. I, I, I look for her every time I'm there. I've never seen her. Oh, uh, you know, it's, and it would just, it would make my whole day. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee in the hateful eight is kind of, um, I don't want to say she sticks out, but she sticks out in the way that that movie just got completely ignored by the Academy Awards. If you're asking me, rightfully so. I, I don't really care for that movie very much. Um, and it's... Her part in it is really curious because... She's not the typical Quentin Tarantino 
tough badass chick. She's the one who kind of plays witness to everything and gets smacked around for half the movie. So it's sort of in a year where she's the voice in Anomalisa, it was really weird for me to see her get nominated for Hateful Eight. I think this is maybe like one of those crowning achievement type nominations because she's been doing solid work for almost 30 years or maybe 30 years now yeah, yeah, yeah. and never had been nominated. Wow. And she's finally, yeah. And she's finally in having like a spotlight where she's been in so many things, so many good things that are a level, huge movies that finally here's a role where they can like, throw her a bone yeah it's which is nice but it's like yeah it's it's nice to be able to say oscar nominee jennifer jason lee that's for sure i just again i just kind of wish it was for her work in anomalisa but uh, you know because i have a vote um (laughs) best supporting actor is uh christian bale in the big short show of hands if you saw that one coming tom hardy in the revenant mark ruffalo in spotlight mark rylance it is, is that how you pronounce it rylance i think so okay in bridge of spies and sylvester stallone in creed uh here was another moment where we're, we're gonna get to oscars so white in later on but here's another moment where the the, the diversity of the oscar body is a little bit perplexing because for how much creed represents the african-american experience it's the older sage white dude who gets the nomination i think in uh, in all of the ways that we could be complaining about diversity stallone is being like the kicking bag and it's not fair it's not you're like don't get me wrong i adore like, the, the only reason we have creed and the world in which creed exists is sure. because stallone created it and and you know what you know it's re- like what really sucks is if in in two categories from now, if we were talking about Michael B. Jordan, or if in three categories we were talking about Ryan Coogler, we would not care. We would love it if all three of them were there together. But that he's the lone representative, ah, come on! It like it. It's a bummer. It is sure, but he he, des- he deserves and he, that. And, and he spot. he could very well take it, and it would be a wonderful story. He, he's actually now the longest between. Uh, nominations for playing the same role and I think maybe even the longest between no not the longest between nominations but the longest between playing the same role because Paul Newman had that when he was nominated for um, The Hustler and uh, The Hustler and then Color of Money that was only 25 years and this was 39 years wow the thing that I the reason I'm I am very defensive of Stallone and Creed partly because I am a huge fan of the original Rocky but mostly because I'm a fan of the Rocky character and the thing about Rocky Rocky the character regardless of the quality of the films as they go up even though Rocky Balboa is very very good I just just saw it last week and it's so good is that no matter how no matter of the quality of the films the Rocky character goes through an arc from the very first time you see him all the way to his last shot in Creed Mm -hmm. that is in the through line of that character's aging and growth as a person is, is something that has that Stallone has kept in him all these years and kept alive in every single one of those movies. And that is such an achievement and, and something that I think not every actor could have done. Yeah. I like, I, again, and, and, I like I, I I dig the guy and and I dig I really dig what they did with this movie and what they did with the character. I think I think it was fantastic. I kind of want to 
believe that Rocky four and five don't exist. Um, <laughs> just gotta skip to, to, to six and seven, but you're right. I, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that, that we're painting him into this corner because it's, he's, this is an incredible story for him. And even just considering like anybody who was alive in the late eighties and early nineties and knew who Sylvester Stallone was as an actor and what kind of, I'm going to be honest, shit he was making. This is something really, really good for him and something I kind of hope he keeps doing. Oh, yeah. He re- he did this great interview uh, with, I think it was The Hollywood Reporter, essentially saying he always just wanted to be an actor and he wrote this role for himself. Or he wrote this role and then they put him in it and and he was like, ah, I get to do this. And then he wanted to keep doing these quality drama type stuff, but he got sort of sandbagged into the Hollywood machine. And, and as we know... He came into being in 1976. That's the beginning of the change into blockbuster Hollywood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he's an unfortunate um, pawn in the blockbuster game where if he had come of age, if he had broken out in 1966, we would have gotten 10 years of serious Stallone acting. Oh, right? sure. sure. And then maybe we would have gotten a whole 50-year career of him being being like Pacino. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as good as Pacino because it's Pacino. But like he would have been that era of actor and sure. not part of this Hollywood machine, but he got sucked into it. And then kind of like Nicolas Cage, once you start making that money. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't get back away. Machine. But if you hear him talk, he's so, he's also sort of like, um, John Wayne always wanted to do, uh, British theater. Right. Oh God. But he wasn't, he wanted to do (laughs) Noel Coward comedies because he loved Noel Coward, but he's John Wayne and he became famous for being John Wayne. And so he couldn't do what he wanted to do as an, as an artist. Yeah. And, and he had to live with that his whole life. And that's sort of a bummer. And Stallone is finally starting to get to do the kind of work he always wanted to do. And, and it's beautiful. And I really hope people take notice and cast him in dramatic roles because that's, He's he's an actor with a capital A. He's not yep. just a piece of meat. Well said. I would really like to see Mark Rylance holding up a statue at the end of the night. He doesn't. He does a lot with very little in Bridge of Spies. Like his part is not at all showy. He's seated for most of it. He does so much heavy lifting with just his eyes. It's it's kind of telling that the very first time we see him he's painting a portrait of himself um and he is fascinating he is such a he's such an interesting dude and his part is really really cool i would in a perfect world i think he could take this award it'll be interesting to see how things shake down once we actually get to like the guilds handing out their their hardware i, I definitely think that the two of them are the front runners i would agree which is crazy I, because then right the next person i was going to talk about is mark ruffalo who yeah. arguably steals the damn show in spotlight i i wrote an article a few years ago about um people who had never been nominated for an oscar i had i did a male version and a female version yeah and Jennifer Dation Lee was on the female version, so she's like the only woman on my list, I think, that has gotten off the list. Okay. But was Ruffalo uh, on the list at the time? Mark Ruffalo, Christian Bale, and Gary Oldman were all on that list, and now Christian Bale is three time Oscar nominee slash oh, winner. Right. I mean three time nominee, one time winner. And Mark Ruffalo. And Mark Ruffalo is now a three time nominee, and it's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's the crazy thing too. Like when Spotlight dropped, it was very very feasible that Mark Ruffalo could be leading this category. It's it's a it's a good class of guys. Christian Bale does his Christian Bale thing, so there's not really much to say about him in the Big Short. It's, 
except he's that such... he's the only acting nominee to come out of it. That's I think that's the only surprise. Yeah, because I, 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 I thought, really like what I Steve Carell was doing more. Was, everyone was talking about Ryan Gosling's performance from oh, what right? I saw. Uh, for, for me, it was all about Steve Carell. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just I, he's he's the guy doing the most acting. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. And, um, and you know, they love Bale now. Yeah. Tom Hardy, we're going to leave because we're going to get to the Revenant in a little while. Um, um, for, for I reasons. just think I just think it's strange that of all of his great performances, this, he just got swept into the like BP. You well, know. There, there's there's that. Um, I mean, here's a guy who had an incredible year. Like, where does one start? with the work of Tom Hardy this year. Where does one start? Like there was a lot of actors this year who had incredible runs. Donald Gleason had a fantastic run this year. Oscar Isaac had an incredible run this year. Um, you know, Alicia it, Vikander, Alicia Vikander. Was six, she was in six movies this year and I did not see one of them. Oh man. That's I don't t- know anything about her. That is telling. <laughs> um, so going to the lead categories in best actress, we have Kate Blanchett in Carol. Brie Larson in Room, Jennifer Lawrence in Joy, Charlotte Rampling in 45 Years, and Saoirse Ronan in Brooklyn. Saoirse Ronan is very quickly piling up a really, really stellar career for herself. Yes, and and it sort of um, makes all the naysayers when she got nominated for Atonement, where they were like, oh, she's so young. She was really good in that, and she, like, unlike... Uh, poor Haley Stanfield, who has not really proven to, to be well. She's singing of, now. I mean, you much know. of an investment in. Let's see. Let's see. Saoirse Ronan sing. Um. Right. We all want to hear her pop hit. I'm sure she sings. Everyone. I'm, I'm, I'm certain she sings. I'm. But I, mean, I don't know why I'm wailing on Saoirse Ronan of everybody to pick on. I am the worst bully. Um. But yeah. Sorry. Please go on. Um. No, I was just saying, like, she's someone who got an early, early push from Oscar and has um, kept to that level of good work. Yeah, it, it's 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 really hard on juvenile actors because a lot of times um, they're they're nominated for playing precocious juveniles. Right. And it's like, well, where did the line end? Were they playing themselves or were they acting? Um, yeah. You know, for every for every Saoirse Ronan, there's a lot of Anna Paquins that wander in the weeds for quite some time, you know, and, and I think it's Anna really, Paquin is just somebody who they, they don't know what to do with her. They certainly didn't for a long time. Right. Like until until like True Blood came around. I, I don't know if she just had bad agents or what. But, yeah. you know, she was con- constantly sidelined in, in X-Men films. They uh, I think she she I know she did stuff in between the piano and X Men, but I none of it seemed to she land. She was in She's All That, and she was really good. Okay. And she was also in A Walk on the Moon, right? Also really good, right? Um, we have Charlotte Rampling. Charlotte Rampling is nominated for an Oscar. Uh, this is the only film in the big eight categories I have not seen um, in forty five years. What do you hear about forty five years? Is, is this Rampling's first? nomination wow really i think it is i feel like she's someone who hadn't been nominated before let me see looking it up yeah this is her first oh man so this is definitely sort of this is writing a wrong not not to not to like belittle her performance because i haven't seen it either but it's definitely one of those like she's she great performance and someone who's overdue for a nomination well there's more so than jennifer jason lee like i mean 
you know, if we're if we're gonna if we're gonna talk silver linings here, the silver lining of kicking Alicia Vikander and Rooney Mara down to best supporting is you get somebody like Charlotte Rampling who's able to take advantage of that spot. Yeah. Because if you keep them in that, I think she gets eked out. Exactly. Yeah. Now, moving on to Jennifer Lawrence, which some people would think was academic, and I disagree because Joy felt to me messy at best. I think Joy is going to go down as the end of David O. Russell's like miracle run. Now, with that said, Lawrence is fantastic in Joy. She there I, I don't think there's a single scene that she is not in. Um and and she's doing something she's doing another different thing like that i think that's the thing that i can say that's most interesting about what jennifer lawrence has done with her career is she's even if she's going back to you know she's kind of doing like mystique and then a and then a david o russell movie and then mystique and then a david o russell movie. even if she's just going back and forth between x-men and screwball comedies at the very least she's doing different things with them and and she she's really good in joy but she is another one who actually kind of would have been in the fifth slot if not outside looking in had those other two women been in best lead. Yeah, I'm probably never going to see Joy, to be honest. Cause there's no, there's, I, you're you're I not just, missing much. I just don't like David O. Russell at all. Sure. And 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 I'm afraid to rewatch the two movies of his that I do like because I don't know if I'm going to like them anymore. <laughs> It's funny because I like in the, in the last few weeks I've I've revisited both. I like American Hustle a little bit less. I I still love Silver Linings Playbook. But... I hate that movie so much. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. The ones of his that I loved, I loved when I was way younger, and that was Three Kings, Three Kings which I saw yeah. in high school, and um, I Heard Huckabees, which I saw in college. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, like I, I I think I don't know if we're necessarily going to go back to that kind of. Uh, kookiness out of David O. Russell. I, I, I think he may have burned that uh, possibility. But I think what his little run of films here of, of from fighter to joy, um, I, I sort of get the impression with at least getting middling reviews to this movie that he's going to have to kind of rethink his approach. Um, and then again, I could completely be wrong. Uh, Brie Larson, welcome to the party. Uh, and uh, a yeah. woman who stands a really good chance of winning. She really should have been nominated two years ago for a short term 12. Oh my God. Yeah. She was astounding in that movie. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so it's nice to see her. It's nice to see her in. She's also an amazing uh, voice for women in film in general. She um, spearheaded this uh, screening series at the Cine Family here in Los Angeles to focus on I- films that are about or by women and okay. mostly so far by women, about women, um, to get more films being screened because as we see um films about women are very rarely championed and so i i even if like even though i haven't seen the film i kind of want her to win just in terms of like pushing someone who's really working for the women mm-hmm. into a higher like stratosphere so she can do more good work behind the scenes yeah i like really that I, I really think she stands a really good shot. She's she's an actor who's very wise beyond her years. Um, she is she's deceptively young. You know, it, it's it, it's kind of it's it's kind of a cool thing to see the role that she played, the maturity that she brought to it. She did it in Short Term Twelve as well. 
Um, and I, and I got it like that. All of that has got to be internal. Like, I don't think that much of that is coming from direction or coming from coaching or anything like that. I think that she just has, she's, she's an old soul, if that makes sense. Yes, I agree with that. You know? And, and, you know, and she's also really cool as Envy Adams. So there, there's that. Um, and then of course we get to Kate Blanchett who, you know, stands as good a shot of winning her third statue as, as anybody and was for my money, just fantastic in Carol. And I don't really know why this is kind of the end of the Carol conversation for this show. I know it's a real bummer because Carol should be everywhere. Um, it's just an amazing, it's such a good film. Todd Haynes, though, like, he's just one of those guys that will always create good work, and then, like, everyone but him will get recognition for it. Yeah, he's, he's probably, yeah. He goes Stories. away He goes away for as long as he did, and he comes back, he's like, oh, screw that, I'm just going, I'm going back underground for seven years, forget this. Yeah. Um, although, no, he did, he did television in between, I'm lying. Kate Blanchett, um, she seems like she found a whole other gear in the last like six or seven years. Does that make sense? Or like not even six, but like the last 10 years, she's been making some really smart choices and, and coming up with some really, really great performances, which it's kind of the opposite of actors like Brie Larson and Jennifer Lawrence, who came out swinging at such, such a young age. Keep Blanchett has always been amazing. Like let's, let's just full stop. She's always been amazing, but a lot of her movies were a little bit more underseen or she was doing the prestige stuff. Like I just want to talk about bandits for a second. I love bandits. Oh, wait, you hold, will on. Never hold on. Hold on a second. Listen, listen, you and I could probably start the bandits fan club, but yeah. we're, it would be a two person club. I think I've brought this up on this show a couple times. Probably every time Kate Blanchett um, is on. Every time we talk about Kate Blanchett, you will never make dinner the same way again after you've seen Bandit. I know, I know, like, I agree. But you know, we again, we're a dying breed. She, listen, <laughs> the, the cool thing about it is that at the very least, if Carol didn't get a whole lot of love in the categories to come, that we could very well see Kate Blanchett up there representing it, and that would be a wonderful thing. Yes. So, and then she'll give another badass speech uh, about the need for parody. So there we go. Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, if if Blanchett, Larson, or Lawrence take that prize, I would say just start the clock because it's coming. Yeah. I can't speak for Rampling or Ronan, but those three especially just you know bet on. Don't bet on if it's coming up. Bet on when. Yeah. So. Moving over to the boys, we have Brian Cranston for Trumbo, Matt Damon for The Martian, Leonardo DiCaprio for The Revenant, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs, and Eddie Redmayne for The Danish Girl. Now, we'll take this opportunity because it's the last time we're going to bring up this movie. You, uh, you, you have issue with The Danish Girl. Oh, Jesus. So much. It's, it's just so offensive on so many levels. I don't even know where to start. I just think that there it's too we've had so many it's we're so it's 2016 right yeah and we've had so many actual trans people talk about trans issues and express the why there is a difference between trans and cis and what that means and why having a cis person in drag essentially playing a trans person is is not okay it's it's like we're going back to Elizabethan times and having Boys female girls. C- cis women played by cis men. Like we we know that's not okay anymore. This is the only reason why I wish actually that you would see it is because 
you know, it's it's handsome, and and Vikander is great in it, even though it's problematic. But I feel like its real issues are issues that a person has to just kind of put their put their sword down for a second and watch because there's subtleties there that say so much more that are wrong. You know what I mean? Like there are things in this movie. I promise you, there are things in this movie that you are going to catch that I'm not going to catch. Michael Fassbender is nominated for Steve Jobs. Fassbender, my imagination, or did he he creep up on everybody kind of quick? Like he was around for a while before Oscar took notice, but now it seems like he's like a perennial presence. Well, he like yeah, he was in a handful of things, and then he was in Inglorious Bastards for like a second, and <laughs> then. Um, he had a year where he was in like four movies or something. Yep. And then now he's, you know, now he won't go away. But the problem is like, I am still gonna, I'm forever gonna be angry at Oscars 2012 because the two best, or was it 2011? I can't remember now. The two best performances, 2011, were Michael Fassbender in, um, Shame and Michael Shannon in Take Shelter. And neither one of them. And they finally done it with Michael. And neither of them got nominated. And finally, you know, Fassbender's a two-time nominee. And Michael Shannon had been a nominee. So you'd think he'd get back in there. And there was some talk of him getting nominated for 99 Homes. And then he's we'll still... See. We Michael will see Shannon. Shannon again, I'm sure. We will. We yes, will. with that bulging eye. He's really tall. I love him. I, I, I absolutely love him. Um, Matt Damon is here just for doing his Matt Damon thing. I don't even understand. Now, I know I didn't see this movie, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, Matt Damon. I just don't understand. And in any other year, like, okay, all right. He ha- he made a huge gaffe this year, right? Yeah. And we're we're talking about race. Yeah. How terrible this um this year has been in terms of race representation by the Academy, and then the like poster boy for how not to to mansplain and racesplain to marginalized people gets a nomination and it's just like there you go yeah it's you know ladies and gentlemen the problem i gotta believe i really gotta believe that if those comments came from anybody who was any less likable than matt damon like i think the only other person who could have said what he said was like ben affleck and and lived to tell the tale because that's the only reason that that he was able to have his little moment and have it be forgotten so damn quickly. He does. He, you know what? He does his Matt Damon thing in the Martian. He's, he's earnest and he's charming and he's goofy. And it's just a, uh, it's, it's a studio movie with a brain, um, that, that people dug and he's, he's the beneficiary of it. It's, it's that simple. It's, he's getting the love for that movie that Ridley Scott didn't, um, it, it's it's fine. It's there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's just he doesn't do. We've seen Matt Damon do it's, better stuff. It's also one of the most diverse casts for a big mainstream movie of yeah. the year, and the only person getting any anything is the white dude. Yeah, it's like is, is, is it's Matt like Damon. literally everything that is. It's every. It's like you can try, but it's still just going to be the white dude. Yeah. Now I had oh. a th- I had a theory, and I still have a theory. That if there's a spoiler in this category, it's Brian Cranston as Trumbo because he's a guy that everybody loves. Capital L 
loves. It's a movie that's based on an actual person. Check, check. And it's a, a story about an... Sorry? Hollywood loves Hollywood. They do. So if you want to pick up a category, if you feel like living dangerously and want to pick up a category that everybody else is going to go another way in your Oscar pool, put down Brian Cranston for best actor because... I believe it's possible, and you will I, know. You will know for sure after SAG night. I would love for all of the people who are wanting Leo to win his Oscar finally to like lose it to Brian Cranston because you want you, you just know they're all also Breaking Bad fans. Yeah, and it will rip their heart in half. Yeah, I yep. love it. I um I'm one of those people that. Um, my boss recently told me I'm, I'm that person in that quote where Michael Caine says, some people just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> That's, me. That's you. I just, I want to, I root for these things to happen just because yeah. I love to see the outcome. No, I mean, listen, That's I it. love Brian. Cran- Here's the thing. I love Brian Cranston. I actually really dug him in Trumbo. I just, I don't, that movie kind of skated a little bit closer to the middle for me. I, I don't really want to see it get a whole lot of love. Um, so that, that's where we differ. Although there are worse things at the end of the day than being able to say Academy Award winner, Brian Cranston. Yeah. Now, um, well, he'd be really close to an EGOT too, which is always good. I believe he's got a Grammy. I believe that man has a Grammy in him. I, I totally believe it. Um, which brings us to Leonardo DiCaprio, which if you're looking for one moment of it's actually sorry if you're looking for the only deadlock thing to happen all night it's it's gotta be leonardo dicaprio taking this prize now the thing that gets me uh this of course is for the revenant the thing that gets me is all of a sudden there became this story in hollywood that dicaprio was due and this bugs me for a few reasons first of all how old is he also 40 he is maybe 40 okay so first of all pipe down people it's just because he was acting since he was very young doesn't mean that he is any more due than any you know doesn't mean that he was any more due than anybody who showed up when they were in the the, like brian cranston showed up when he was in his what his late like really rose to prominence around malcolm in the middle when he was in his late 40s yeah right he did all kinds of character stuff before he was on seinfeld yeah yeah, you know, he did he did like commercials and stuff like that. So just because Leonardo DiCaprio showed up in his teens doesn't mean that he's got a longer pedigree behind him versus for one. For two, I dare anybody to look at the actors who were nominated every other time he was nominated and tell me when he was second best in the room sometimes not even that he wasn't that he's due or that he's been overlooked all these times he's just had the misfortune to be in some really really great classes of actors every time that he lost it was to someone who like no one was gonna beat them right you know and that and that's that's the thing. It's it's not that he's been slighted. It's not that Hollywood didn't like him. It's not that they didn't think it was his turn. It was just unfortunate luck. So, listen, I guess everybody can have a great old party because it certainly appears to be lining up for him unless Brian Cranston comes along to spoil the show. Um, but that's the thing that gets me. I, 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 I don't think it's fair that... But it's th- sort of like... Um, having just recently watched Rocky Balboa, 
Um, the plot <laughs> of that is that this act, this this uh, young you know boxer is undefeated, but they keep saying that he's only undefeated because he hasn't gone against anybody that's um, good enough to beat him. You yeah. know, like, and yeah. then Rocky's gonna be good enough or whatever. And it's sort of like the opposite. Like he he keeps losing because he's not quite good enough to beat those people, and so he's finally gonna win because he's finally in a weak year where he is better than everybody. Yeah. And like, but, you know, you know but what? If he was in any other year, he wouldn't. And that's sort of a bummer. Well, not only that, but there was an article a few years ago when Charlie Sheen was really going loopy yeah. about how he got too much too soon about how his success with Oliver Stone in the late eighties was almost more than he could handle at that moment. And how and how he never really recaptured that in terms of really uh, heavy pedigree films. And in a way, I kind of feel like that might have been DiCaprio. If DiCaprio had a one for Gilbert Grape, I wonder what kind of party boy he may have turned into. I actually feel like it's been fascinating to watch the second half of Leonardo DiCaprio's career. Everything he's done since like post 2002 has stood really in stark contrast to what he did before you know he was really good at playing this beautiful brooding teenager but it takes something a little bit different to kind of put that aside and not just become a beautiful brooding man does that make sense yes and i sort of feel like if he had got it by now he may he may not have been hungry it's i've always it's one of my little what ifs i've always said i always wonder what if the 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 shark and jaws how to worked what if Scorsese had a got an Oscar far earlier in his career? So the, here's another one. What if DiCaprio had have got an Oscar at a much younger age? Would we have been better off? And I don't necessarily think so. No, I don't think he would have made as many dramatic choices in his like roles. But and then at the same time, because he's been on this like I must win Oscar. Path, I don't think he's been on it. I just so think it's long- been. No, I think he has because he like I would have, I would like to like he's chosen like serious role after serious role after serious role after serious role, and sort of that's why that that's why I think people are perceiving this trajectory is like he seems like an actor who's determined to win an Oscar. Yeah, and and that kind of bums me because I would have liked to have seen him. Not that I want to see him like McConaughey and get stuck in like doing rom coms and hating it or you know. Stallone getting stuck in action pictures and hating it or whatever, but I would have liked to see, like, comedic. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, can we get him into comedy now? A few times he does almost comedy, like Wolf of Wall Street is sort of high comedy, but it's not really comedy like Will Ferrell or something. I want to see Leonardo DiCaprio do a comedy. Yeah, yeah, me too. That's what I want. So if he wins an Oscar... Damn comedy next. <laughs> I agree, but I, and that and that's no. Like I already know. I feel like I already know everything he can do, except comedy. I want to see him in a musical. I want to see everybody. Like, I, you know, I want to. Yeah, I want to see him dance. I, I'd kind of like to see him sing. Why not? Let's do that. I'd certainly like to see him dance. All right, those are the actors. We're going to be back right after this with best director and best picture. Come on back. We're back. I'm Ryan. She's Mariah. We're talking about Oscars and we are at Best Director, which 
<laughs> if you had told me to name the five people standing three months ago, this would not have been the group I would have come up with. We have George Miller for Mad Max, Fury Road, Adam McKay for The Big Short, Tom McCarthy for Spotlight, Alejandro Iñárritu for The Revenant, and Lenny Abrahamson for The Room... For, not for The Room. No, no, <laughs> do not get those movies mixed up. Lenny Abrahamson for Room. Welcome You're to the party, Lenny. Me, Ryan. Oh my god. Well... <laughs> Welcome to oh, the. Oh no, I did that wrong. You're tearing me apart, Ryan. Um, oh hi, Mariah. Um, <laughs> welcome to the party, Lenny. I I didn't I, I did not expect that. I don't think anybody. Out of nowhere. Yeah. It's strange too, because everyone I know who saw the movie said the performances were good, but the but the film felt okay. It's you not know? a film that I really remember the direction but i think i think in looking at at oscar's past often when um the 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 film is really uh anchored on performance more than anything else a director will sneak in for getting those performances from that actor okay you know okay I mean? so maybe so that that could be it this is not so much a nomination in in my mind. I don't think this is so much a nomination in creating the world of this movie so much as getting these great performances out of these two these two lead actors. Yeah, which is just to me it's it's kind of a funny feeling when you've got him there and Steven Spielberg sitting on the sideline for the same thing. Because what is Bridge of Spies if not a bunch of great performances? Except that maybe in the case of Steven Spielberg, you're getting great performances out of Mark Rylance and Tom Hanks and people you expect to get great performances out of, not specifically out of somebody like Brie Larson and the youngin whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, but listen, if it helps him get his next movie made, I, I loved Frank as a, for instance, um, he, Oh, did he do Frank? He did. Yeah. yeah that was a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Dom Hell Gleason, right? Yep. Yep. Right? Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, you have uh, Hall in that movie doing her best Yoko Ono. God, I love her. <laughs> That's Hall for all the awards, even though she's not here. Yep. Uh, so then we have Adam McKay. Um, yeah, no I, one would have. Nobody would have guessed McKay. that. You're watching Anchorman, right? And you're like, 12 years time, Oscar nominee for sure. Yep. Like, nope. nobody. Yeah. Nobody and, saw that coming. No. Speaking Aladega of. Nights. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of nobody saw that coming, if anybody, 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 including you, Mariah Gates, because I know you love this movie back in May would have seen Mad Max Fury Road and said Oscars, I would have said they were a lot of bloggers did, though. A lot of people said, I hope this stays as a as an Oscar pick. Mostly, though, people were talking about Charlize Theron and saying. She should get an actress nomination. Yes, she that was where the the com- conversation was in May. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was more what I thought it was going I thought it was going to have a whole bunch of below the line stuff and probably Theron. I did not I I certainly didn't expect picture we'll get there and I really did not expect George Miller. Like good on him because my god was this movie an ordeal to create. This movie has been in the works since before the turn of the century. Yeah, this is, this is he deserves every he's not going to win. Well, and speaking of of, you know, the same thing I was saying with Stallone, like the whole reason we have this world is George Miller. He created yes. 
these characters. He created this world also 40 years ago and he kept it alive and created and then made it like even better. Yep. Than it was. Yep. Yeah. Like no one ever, you know, you see like sequels and you're just like, "Oh, I don't know, man." And then this one is so good and it's like if every like franchise was as good as this. Yeah. I wouldn't hate that we live in a world of franchises. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This was a really good year for franchises coming back. I must say I, I was really, really impressed. Um, Tom McCarthy could make some noise in this category. He it, he did some really good things with Spotlight. This is a great sort of, um, you know, long distance sort of story for him because he came out over 10 years ago with the station, station agent. Mm-hmm. And everyone was like, oh, he's the next great great guy you know and then we didn't really hear a lot from him for a decade no well you know he gave us dinklage though and that is very important yep i I was always amazing i was always a fan of the visitor did you ever see the visitor yeah it's it's kind of crazy that he's getting it's actually really crazy that he's getting nominated for best director the same year that he unleashed a bad adam sandler movie yeah you know, and that's his like that's his worst movie and his best movie in the same year. Yeah, go figure. Kind of, you know. We have Alejandro Iñárritu uh, for The Revenant, who stands as good a chance as any for becoming only the third director to win back-to-back Best Directing honors. I would, again, not have seen that coming because that puts him in a league with Mankiewicz and John Ford yeah. for, for starters. Um, we will, we'll, we'll get to Mariah's got thoughts on the Revenant. We'll get there in a minute, but no, I, can I bring it up here? Cause it's about Inaratu mostly. All right, go for it. Okay. So, so hang on. I, I'm going, so, I'm going to put the microphone down and just step back. So go ahead. <laughs> I mean, so last year I liked Birdman and I hated Gone Girl as we well know. And, and I was like, what is happening? Because I love David Fincher and I hate Inaratu so much. And everyone was like, Mariah, you hate Inaratu. Why are you why do you like this movie? You famously hate Inaratu. I famously hate Inaratu. And and but I liked Birdman. And then this and then I saw the trailer for The Revenant. And so when I saw The Revenant, Leonardo DiCaprio Inaratu, I was like, okay, well he, you know, Birdman, right? And then I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this is everything I hate. Everything. It's okay. The reason I okay, I hate Inaratu because he's very self-conscious director and I think he thinks he's more important than he is and the only reason I think I liked Birdman was because um, Keaton brought humanity to it in a way that I think Inaratu often doesn't right? Yeah. But in terms of The Revenant we have this movie that's based on a true story that's set in the wilderness and it's about a man versus wilderness and the strength of men and perseverance and uh, and it's like that one reviewer that was like, women can't handle this is like the epitome of everything that I hate about the perpetuation of these types of stories because we have this idea that men in the wilderness is the epitome of strength when women have been giving birth and dying and giving birth and not dying and continuing to live for the millennia and giving birth is really, really hard and somehow that's not, you know, the epitome of strength. And surviving in a world that is so hostile and wants to kill you all the time just for being a woman, that's not the epitome of strength. Ugh. And then look at the nominations, and it's like two of the films are about women, and Mad Max is about a woman, which is great, but it's sort of a man movie about a woman, which is subversive and wonderful. But 
like two movies set in today about women out of eight. Ugh. Okay. Can I come back now? Yes, that's everything. <laughs> I, I I wanted you to get. I knew I knew you had feelings. I wanted to make sure you got them all out. Um, and and I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, I'm not even gonna disagree. Um, here's what I will say about The Revenant. And, uh, you know, we may as well lump this in with the best picture. We'll, we'll make that the first nominee that we talk about with best picture. Um, I I, in, I don't even want to say I enjoy The Revenant because I don't really think it's the kind of movie a person enjoys. I was engaged deeply by The Revenant, but, but, capital B, but, it is a really, really obtuse and opaque and cerebral movie um it's it's basically like a movie that thought tree of life just needed a little more plot and then it would have been perfect because and i'm not just like it's 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 a coincidence that the two movies have the same dp um and you know if we were to talk about other other categories i think it's really really interesting that you could have lubeski coming back for his third oscar win in a row that is con- that is absolutely conceivable and yet at the same time inconceivable i would be 110 percent okay with that because he's the best working cinematographer as far as i'm concerned we'll get back there um <laughs> <laughs> but so but here's the thing so, so this is that this is my feeling on it is that is, is that i was engaged by it and fascinated by it and, and i took my brain places which is what i like this kind of movie to do and just in terms of the behind the scenes stuff of them shooting for about an hour a day because they wanted to shoot at golden hour and chasing the cold up through northern Canada until they ran out of cold and had to go all the way to the southern tip of the world and and, and push their deadline, push their deadline, push their deadline. That's all in terms of the story behind the story. Fascinating and makes me respect it more. But... It's not if anybody comes to me and says, I didn't like the Revenant and people are actually starting with, I'm sorry, but I didn't like the Revenant. I absolutely understand why it's a movie that takes place with small people in very large landscapes doing very little except walking and looking beaten up. OK, and I understand that you're absolutely right. There, There is more to the story of where we came from than man in the wild. So, you know, even though it was the leader in terms of nominations and some people may say that that is a slam dunk, I, I would disagree. I understand completely why people dislike or flat out hate this movie. It's not that kind of movie. And it's, you know, I, I wouldn't even argue it. There's all kinds of movies that I go see and I love and I hear people hating on them and I'll go 15 rounds with them and say, no, you're wrong. The movie is awesome because of this and this and this and this. No, somebody comes to me and they say, I don't like the Revenant. Yeah. I get why you don't like the Revenant because it's that kind of movie. It's a movie that doesn't give a crap. Right. And, and you're absolutely right. Every single thing you said, completely correct. I I would also understand a person who said it's the best film I've ever seen. It's such a weird movie in that way and 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 on top of that you put the story of it getting made and then it comes right after birdman it's it's a weird little story unto itself i got no comment yeah see and that and that's the thing it's 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 yeah it's that kind of thing it's and and again like every single thing you said i agree with i understand you're right and 
I didn't like, I didn't even love it. Like it wouldn't have, I did, I saw it after I did my year end list. It wouldn't have made my top five. There was a lot that I'm going to hang on to about it, but anybody who doesn't like it, I'm like, yeah, I get that. So anyway, it's up for best picture could win. I don't really think it will because the thing with a, a ranked ballot which is to say that when Oscar voters turn in their ballot, they have to actually choose a number one, number two, number three, and, and on and on and on down the line, is it tends to favor a movie that was everybody's first, second, or third choice. And I see, as I just said, I see The Revenant being a, a love it or hate it movie. So I, I don't, <laughs> a lot of people who will actually like slot it down at eight. Just because of the momentum and the and the below the line love for it, it's possible. It's it's entirely conceivable that it could win. Um, I, and but at the end of the day, I have no idea, and we'll talk about that in a second. So, best picture. Um, I want to go to some of the movies we haven't really talked about. We haven't talked much about Bridge of Spies, which you haven't seen yet. That was I know it's actually the only Spielberg movie I haven't seen. So maybe that maybe so that needs to go I'll, to the top of the list. It, it came because... out on Blu-ray this week. No, I'll get to it at some point. Um, probably right before his next movie comes out. Um, right before I'm going to let it simmer for a little bit. But he's one of those directors that I, I finished his filmography so that I could go see all of his movies in theaters mm. um, as they were released, except for this year. Well, it's 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 interesting because it's the kind of movie they don't really make anymore. It's a different kind of movie for him. Um, I actually think if we discount Tintin, it's my favorite Spielberg ending in quite some time because it felt like Spielberg didn't know how to end a movie for a while there. Um, And it's a movie like, you know, it's, it's a cool story. Uh, is, he, is he at the point now where he's directed the most films nominated for Best Picture? He's got to be pretty close up there. He's getting there. He's getting. Not there. that he's had the most nominations. I don't. I think um, someone else still has that. John Ford probably. Yeah. But he's getting no. to the point where you know like what? I was reading about this today. John Ford actually didn't get nominated that often. It's who? It's somebody else. I want to say it's Weiler. Oh um, yeah. No, it's um, it's Will. Yeah, it is Weiler. Yeah. I wrote about that once. Yeah, Ford I, was I just really like prolific. Nine. Ford was just like, you know, when he got up there, he made it count. Um, he's but, directed, like, I think he's directed like nine. Yeah, it's it's a freakish amount. Um, yeah. We got, we got Brooklyn as well. We haven't really talked much about Brooklyn. And I, I've said before, I just, I want to live in the world of Brooklyn. I, that was a movie I adored. I loved every second of watching Brooklyn. For a while, a friend of mine had the only rotten review for it. <laughs> and I was like... Dan, you're Come the only on. one who hates this movie. And he's like, I didn't hate it. You just didn't like just, it. You just didn't like it. And I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, it happens. Yeah. But because, because everyone else was like just over the line, you know, like he was just under the line. Yeah. It makes it look like he hated it because he's the only person who didn't like it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of when it, cause we know, uh, you know, a lot of people are met and you're at like 60 or whatever you know one person doesn't stick out but when it's like you're the one person who was like mm, not quite yeah yeah seem like you. a villain um, but, um i look forward to seeing that eventually it's it, I, you know what i actually that that's a movie i really look forward to hearing your thoughts on it because i think I, it's, I feel it's like um from people what people have told me part of my hesitation to not really wanting to see it not obviously because it wasn't directed by a woman i didn't I didn't see it but um i saw the the trailer and was reading like the the synopsis and you know I, I feel like a lot of films 
in or a lot of things in general are marketed in such a way that the um way the place that women are in in relation to men is what is how they're described okay and for example at the golden globes the four of the five best supporting actress in a miniseries were described as the character in relation to the men in their life okay and the only one that wasn't was someone who was in orange is the new black because there's no men in her life right and and it was (laughs) really pointed and i was like can we not do that and the and from what i heard the 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 love triangle isn't isn't as big of a story as they made it seem it was no well the other thing that's crazy is that the the whole story like there there's a really quick moment with Donald Gleason before she leaves for America and then he's backburnered until the third act like he is not a huge part in this movie at all so to really play it as you know team irish versus team italian is not doing the movie any favors it is really much more um timely in terms of what's happening in your country right now because it's all about immigration it's all about how the irish one time were persona non grata in a cosmopolitan city like brooklyn and how hard everybody had to adapt when you know like i gotta be honest moving from a place like ireland to a place like brooklyn is not that difficult at the very least you speak the language but if you're coming there on your own and you're you know just under 20 it's still gonna be a huge shock and watching her navigate it is wonderful so i'm i'm i think you'll be pleasantly surprised and you know what actually maybe that's the good thing is if some of these movies just don't ring for you when they're being sold that when you eventually get around to them if you eventually get around to them that's the danger of course that they have only one direction to go right you had a smart movie and you marketed it that poorly yeah why i don't know it's 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 because a lot of the times the marketing team has very little to do with the film itself right it's it's kind of the reason why i always say steven spielberg needs to get with some better trailer people because the the trailers for his movies suck so bad and his movies are so much better than them and i really wish he'd get with like you know pt anderson's people because his trailers are always awesome his trailers are always awesome exactly. and, they never, and they never spoil the movie nope nope uh so we got to take room seriously because uh, lenny abrahamson got his best director nomination and room it's, it's one of the few on there with a director and a screenplay nomination yeah. that's important yeah it is it is and again it's a good movie um so i look forward to people actually catching up with it the Martian is an interesting inclusion. Uh, I'm, I'm actually kind of happy that it is because maybe it will allow Hollywood to spend a little bit of money on non-franchises um, and, and give it a little bit of care and attention. That was the thing with a movie like The Martian where, you know, it's uh, if you take Mad Max out of the equation it's the only movie on this list where the budget was over $100 million. These are all very small movies, including Bridge of Spies. When Steven Spielberg can't get a movie made for more than $50 million, you know that Hollywood has gone micro-budget. Um, so so the fact that Fox threw money at creating The Martian and they were able to make it, and they were able to execute it well enough to land Best Picture, I think is a promising thing. I hope. 
and if they do win, they'll probably send more potatoes to everybody. Absolutely. Yes, exactly. Potatoes for everyone. Potatoes for everybody. Um, the big short is in here, but I don't think it quite it, has the it's, legs. It's fascinating, though, because I, I, I'm going to slightly disagree. Okay. Because the big short, Spotlight, and Room are the only three that have the directors, the actors, and screenplay. It's got all of it. Well, and those three movie ha- those three movies will have all of those those voters behind them. Yeah, well, and and Big Short has editing too. Yeah, right, which is very showy editing from from the the resident editor here at Casa del McNeil Ragoni. Um, that was the thing. She's like, oh, I see, she's like, I see every. The cut. only films that have all of those magic spots are the Big Short and Spotlight. I wouldn't be surprised if if the Big Short comes out of nowhere and just takes it because it, it has all of the right voters behind it. Yeah. Um, and speaking of spotlight is another one spotlight is spotlight. I think is a good enough and B well enough like that. It could also be the one to take it at the end of the day, um, which would not be a bad thing at all. I think we can both agree. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> of course I, I, I am tickled to be able to say best picture nominee, Mad Max Fury road. Man. Um, because so obviously I didn't see that movie last year. No. But... And I I got to see it on the big screen because I waited. Yeah. Because um, I have the Blu-ray. But yeah. I was like, no, they're going to put it back in theaters. And I got to see it with George Miller. Oh, man. It was worth the wait. He's such an amazing like filmmaker and artist. And he's so articulate. And that movie is so beautiful and so bombastic. And seeing it in theaters, like when it ended, I was just in awe. So I, I, a friend of the show who actually helped me write the questions earlier on um, was was actually sort of perplexed as to why everybody loved Mad Max. Can, help me articulate it because I don't feel like I, I, I know I love it because it's cool and I love it because Max gets shoved over to the shotgun seat. But when you saw it, like with after going through a year with women, what was it about it that spoke to you? Um, there's the, so many women in this movie. Well, for starters, yeah. I mean, for one, there. Okay, I spent an entire year watching films by women, right? And this includes new releases. So all the new releases I saw were films by women, and most of them featured women, right? Mad Max may have had the most well-rounded women in that I'd seen from last year, and in terms of both. The characters being well-rounded, but in and also in volume, because you have Furiosa, but then you have the four wives, and you have the uh, the biker gang whose names I'm forgetting, and they all get a moment where you find out so much about them as characters because they all get a great character-defining moment, and that for me was amazing to see because I was I was not expecting it, especially the women, the old women towards the end. No one told me about that. My mom wanted to tell me about it because she loved them and she wants to be them, but she didn't spoil it. And I'm really proud of her <laughs> for not spoiling that for me because when they popped out, I was like, Oh my God. Um, so for me, it was the fact that it's this very female positive film that also has people getting shot, things exploding, yeah. cars, flaming guitars. Yeah. One of the best scores I've ever heard for a movie. 
Um, I, but and then in terms of screenwriting, which is I'm kind of a I know we have the the screenwriting like or the omissions section, but the screenplay as a screenwriter, I thought the screenplay was so perfectly executed. It had a um, prelude and then it had the perfect three acts. Yeah, like the structure of this film is so tight and so perfect that it, you just keep going and then it, and then. And then it goes everywhere you want it to go, even though you don't know where it's going. It, and then it just ends and you're like, no, come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't want that platform to drop any further. Yeah. That, I, thank you. I, that, I was trying to articulate that to, to, to my friend and I just, I did it very, very terribly. Um, but that, that's exactly what I was thinking. And, you know, when, when you're on and listen, I, and I really do enjoy a Marvel movie as much as the next guy, but when you're on your 15th one in a year, it, it can start to seem tired. So to see an action movie, a big budget action movie do something like this with its plot, it's more than awarding a unicorn just because we've never seen a unicorn before. Um, okay. That's all of the nominees for best picture. We are going to come back quick with some thoughts on the, the other nominees and the omissions right after this and close out the show. So come on back. During past episodes of uh, during past Oscar nominee episodes, we tend to close out the conversation with uh, trends, patterns, omissions. We'll start with omissions. I hate the word snub. I always have, always will. When you get six thousand people in a room and they miss something, it's not a snub. It's a consensus, wrong as it may be. Um, what were some of the omissions that really stuck out to you? We've mentioned Carol. Um, obviously, its omission for best director and best picture probably came as a surprise to many. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. And then um, back with Mad Max, uh, like I said, the screenplay I felt really should have been in there. And Furiosa, I feel like Charlize gave such an amazing, nuanced performance that. I can't wait to see more with this character and I really hope she gets her spin-off that's you know Max free even though I did like Hardy's uh, spin on Max I don't think we need her <laughs> I don't think we need him um and the score I, yeah. I mean okay so John Williams does a spin on the Star Wars score and gets another nomination for his like 10,000th nomination and then this score that doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard gets ignored yeah. which is probably the problem it sounds it's too too it much too, yeah guard or something i don't know um those were those were big ones and then obviously like for me there were many many performances that i saw last year that were all created by women that were fantastic that will never get noticed because they weren't you know they were mostly independent and smaller films um i mean i know this movie was like universally hated but the performances in by the sea were great and nobody. Oh man! I, nobody. If people couldn't handle the, if people couldn't handle the melodrama in Carol, they were not going for by the no, sea. No, by the and sea. And I, I say that as somebody who appreciated by the there sea were quite all a great these deal. People like who I'm sure love Antonioni. Yeah. And hated this, and I was like, you know that the Antonioni is just as ridiculous when you actually like listen to what they're saying, right? Yeah, of course. Like, come I, on. Um, I was surprised by 
the uh, I was actually surprised by the omission of Michael Keaton out of um, Spotlight. I really thought that he would have you know jump over. It would have been nice to see a double nom for Keaton, like back to back noms for Keaton rather than Redmayne. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. But I kicked him out, and and you know I love Michael Keaton has given us so much. <laughs> like he's the gift that keeps on giving. He is the gift that keeps on giving. I am as as a person as a person as a person who did not care for it. I'm actually quite happy to see no love for Quentin Tarantino and The Hateful Eight. Um, I, I really felt that that movie was a backward step for him and, um, you know, nominations for screenplay or direction or picture only would have fanned those flames. Instead, he can just go cry himself to sleep while he wraps himself in 70 millimeter film. Um, and he continues to not program any films directed by women at his rep theater. There's that. I mean, the entire year last year, he programmed three. Fan- awesome. Like, you know, wait, wait, double wait, features. Of course. Seven days a week. Yeah. No, he, you know, it's, it's Plus matinees. No, it's, you know, this is a guy who I, I think that there's a difference between being a movie fan and being a movie maker. And sometimes I wonder which one Quentin really is, you know, yeah. and, and sometimes if he's just become his biggest fan and become a monster of his own creation. Um, so, no, I, I was, I was really happy actually to see him listed as one of the omissions um i really want to be able to say uh academy award nominee michael b jordan sometime in my life oh we will he's so good yeah he's, he's been solid he was solid when he was on television he's had a solid transition from television to film he's gonna keep being he's gonna be one of those guys that we're gonna talk about him like fassbender and talk about him for five years and then finally the right and then he's all over the place right yeah the right role's gonna come but you he can't be ignored and it's gonna happen because he's and he's he he chooses for the most part he chooses very wisely yeah i say for the most part because he had that one that like all of them were in it was like him and miles teller and zach efron and it was like guys fantastic four no um well that too (laughs) um that i mean that voice you're gonna make because you're you're in a suit if you have a choice to be in a big budget superhero movie you do that yeah um but like no um that awkward moment oh yeah yeah yeah. not for anybody that awkward moment when you were in that awkward moment yeah yeah. (laughs) and i think you know if i'm talking about omissions i guess the other thing that i think was unfortunate with uh vikander and uh, rooney mara getting kicked down into supporting is that it took a spot away from Kristen Stewart for Clouds of Sils Maria, which I thought yeah, really I, could have been something fantastic. She, she definitely won more critic awards than any of those ladies. Um, and I just think that she's still too, like, people are still too Weary. Oh my god, it's that girl from Twilight, you know? Yeah. And they're, even though she's continually, even, like, Twilight is a blip on her filmography. When you look at her filmography, starting from when she was young, she mostly... She had, like, one, you know, requisite horror film that all young women have to make. And then everything else on her filmography from um, from the Fincher one, uh, from Panic Room on up, is, like, super interesting. Um, another trend that surfaced this year was, for the first time in a long, long, long time, this Oscar season is wide open. Aside from Leonardo DiCaprio, there are no sure bets happening right now. Usually when you and I do this show, it's oh, da- yeah. it's, it's really down to two. 
You know, like when we since we've been doing this show, we've had the Gravity 12 Years a Slave conversation. We've had the, uh, you know, Birdman Boyhood. Birdman Boyhood conversation. Sometimes it's even just it's bloody clear. It's like we know it's the artist. Let's just move on. Yeah. I have no idea. There, no, there's it's, there's it's so kind of, many of these films I could totally see taking it at the end of the night. I have no clue what it's it, going to be. It and would really be nice if it was a year like 2000 where all the awards were split yep. between Traffic and Crouching Tiger and Gladiator. Uh, Gladiator. Yeah. And until Best Picture, they all had four. And it was like everybody was sharing the the praise and there was no steamroller. And it was like it was beautiful. Yeah. And I, I, you know, it's quite possible that that's what we see come down the pike, that nothing really runs away with the night. Even though you've got movies like Mad Max and Revenant with double digit nominations, it's, you know, like lest we forget that even though Mad Max has all these uh, nominations below the line, once you get into all those tech categories, it also has star Wars to contend with. So that could really throw it a wrench. Um, You know, I'll, I'll take a second here. I'm, I'm, slightly surprised that Star Wars couldn't make the leap to Best Picture in an expanded class. Um, You know, aside from Jurassic Park, which was deliberately held back by Universal so as not to distract from Schindler's List, every box office champ beginning with Sound of Mute, or sorry, beginning with Gone with the Wind has also gone on to a Best Picture nomination. So it's a little bit strange to be breaking that chain now, deli- like, you know, not even deliberately, like as they did with Jurassic Park, but also for how much love Star Wars seemed to make and for how much business it seemed to do. It's it's a little strange. Now, I just think it might be because they already have The Martian and they already have Mad Max. So thanks. We're, we're, we're stocked on... <laughs> we're stocked on blockbusters right now yeah but it, it, it struck I, I was like i could totally see that happening you know and it's not it would have been um we would have had four films with a female lead which yeah. would have been nice because then it would be almost even yep but you know yeah it's you know it's well which which of course takes us to there was there was the inevitable blowback and let me tell you, there is nothing more depressing than film Twitter on Oscar nomination morning. I was actually really happy that I had such a busy day yesterday that I looked at the nominees and then put down my phone because my God, do we all turn into a bunch of whiny babies when, when our, you know, we, we like to be self-righteous and we like to champion our people and all that. And we forget that, you know, kind of like something I told you off air that people are only seeing us by what we're putting out there online and they're not necessarily judging who we are. And there's the blowback, for instance, of Oscar's so white, which is true. Um, I'm not going to argue that at all. However, what I will say is as much as the fault of that lies with the, what is it? 6,000 members of the voting body, it's the voting body. Okay. As much as it yeah. lies with there. It also lays with the studios that put these films into contention. So, you know, you're in publicity. I'm a critic and I get a lot of the packages that these films send. And they vary from studio to studio. They vary on what they do. So I'm going to dial it back a year. My favorite film last year of all was Selma, a film that I would have handed best picture to by far. 
Universal messed up in terms of marketing that movie to the voting body. This year, your employer, which I, you know, you're not going to comment on because I don't want to get you in any kind of trouble. Your employer didn't do the most awesome job of pushing Creed to the voting body, which would have changed things. We could have had Ryan Coogler and we could have had Creed for Best Picture and we could have had Michael B. Jordan. And what I think people don't understand is that the people who vote for these things, they're not actually picking the best stuff. They're sometimes picking the stuff they're told to pick, but just as often, they're picking the stuff that they're sold. So if you get a company like Fox Searchlight who has figured out how to do this really, really well. They've got the last two best pictures, and since the turn of the decade, they've got the most nominees. Yeah. They do a really good job at selling these movies. Which one of them this year is Fox Searchlight? Brooklyn is Fox Searchlight's film this year. Got it. So, you know, that that that's the thing is, yeah, we, we there there needs to be more equality in gender, more equality in race, better representation, absolutely, positively. And that comes down to the marketing, too. You need to do better than, you know, going to see... You need to do better than going to see Dear White People and just getting nothing but black trailers ahead of it. You know, it, you can't just sell to your base and then hope that it transcends. So it's it's on the publicity department as well. Oh, definitely. You know, the year the Hurt Locker won, part of how that campaign kicked the shit out of Avatar was they had the most beautiful scripts delivered to everybody. Yep. These beautifully bound scripts. And they had it was a was it not Summit, um it's the company that owns Summit. Or it was Summit. No, yeah. It was Summit, yeah. Summit. They had all that money from Twilight and they basically took that money and said we're going to do the best Oscar campaign of the year. And they worked, you know, and because they put the money into it, which is to say, you know, if you have, if you're from a studio that has the money to do it, you should really tr- try. It's weird how some of these smaller studios, like, it's like they save all their money just for their Oscar campaigns because they realize that's the way to do it. Well, you know, like, look at the Weinsteins aren't exactly rolling in it. You know, the Weinsteins aren't backed by Disney anymore. They're their own animal. And yet they still manage to throw the right money and the right campaign at movies like the King's Speech and the artists and come away with their wins. It's not rocket science. And certainly a company as big as Sony or a company as big as I have no idea how the heck Disney has been sitting all this out. Um, you know, and and they've had nominees too. It that that's part of it. That is absolutely positively part of it. So Universal, as a, to use them as an example, they had Straight Outta Compton, and I think that there's I I I enjoyed Straight Outta Compton. I think there's problems with it, but I think it could have entered into the conversation in Oscar a little bit better than it did. And to have it and not be able to trumpet it as their their champion in a year where they had an incredible year too i think that that's that that's a miss on universal so well there we go okay so we are gonna we normally close out the show with uh predictions um i am going to give mariah a mulligan this year because she has seen so few and i really think that to get i don't get to pick movies Okay, well... All right. I know the conversations. Okay. And this is going to be predictions based on um, 
chatter rather than which we yeah we, I was gonna films. say okay so we always do that anyway we always reserve the right to say that these are very early predictions so all right okay you you yeah. talked me into it let's do it no I want to do it all right so best adapted <laughs> screenplay Big Short Brooklyn Carol Martian Room you know what I'm gonna say Room I think that that's quite possible I would actually really like to see that I think this is where Big Short gets its prize so I'm gonna go with that original screenplay Bridge of Spies Ex Machina Inside Out Spotlight Straight Out of Compton I'm gonna say probably Spotlight I will agree with you and that's where Tom McCarthy possibly gets his either first or only best supporting actress Jennifer Jason Lee Rooney Mara Rachel McAdams Alicia Vikander Kate Winslet Oh, you know, this is one, it's tough because the guild hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to say, because there's only two, there's three first time nominees here, which is like rare and amazing. And I think that the nominations for them is their, is their, uh, their prize and Rooney Mara is in the wrong category and people are going to be confused. So I think it's Kate sort of by default, but also Kate because everyone loves Kate. And she's good. Like, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, when you when you see Steve Jobs, I'll be curious what you think. But she is great in it. I'll second that. Kate Winslet, Best Supporting Actress, especially because Vikander and Rooney Mara, who are both incredible, end up causing confusion and lose out in this effort to get them an award. Um, that Which is often what happens. Sometimes by putting the, the actor in a different category because the studio thinks they have a better shot, they end up kind of screwing themselves over. Best Supporting Actor, Christian Bale, Tom Hardy, Mark Ruffalo, Mark Rylance, Sylvester Stallone. Going with Sly. All right. So am I. I, w- I want to see Mark. I want to see Mark Rylance. I think it's going to be Sly. And it'll, want, be, it'll probably I'm be gonna, a great speech. I'm going to cry so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Many be of us will. Best Actress, Kate Blanchett, Brie Larson, Jennifer Lawrence, Charlotte Rampling, Saoirse Ronan. I think Brie Larson's going to take it. I think so, too. Um, best Actress for a little while has been skewing young um which is not to say that Kate Blanchett is old because dear god she's not um just to say that they've been going a little bit more ingenue think uh Marion Cotillard think Jennifer Lawrence so in that vein I think it's Brie Larson um and and she is probably the most powerful thing about Room and she has to do a lot of complicated things so and then listen for a great speech (laughs) Best actor is academic, so we're just going to go right on past that. And, you know, congratulations, Leo. Now go make a musical. I don't get to say Brian Brian Cranston for the for the. Okay, fine. Oh. All right, I, I I'll almost make you a bet, but okay. Brian Cranston for the steal. There okay. We go. Uh, <laughs> best director is interesting. Lenny Abrahamson, Inuritu, Tom McCarthy for the Spotlight, Adam McKay, The Big Short, George Miller, Fury Road. What do you got? going with george miller he created a world he didn't just he didn't okay. just you, you know, know film you in win, the snow if you win your pool that's where you won you it know, on the george he miller didn't call. film in the snow and yes that's difficult he created a world he built cars i know he had the cars actually go yeah um and he strapped a man to a car with a flaming guitar if it's not McCarthy. If that's not the best cinematic thing you've seen all year. Yeah, it was that the guitar was in flames, right? That, that was that was the thing. It wasn't that he was playing the guitar. It was that the guitar fl- shot flames. It was amazing. It was amazing. Um, I, I I think there's too much momentum right now around Inaritu to be ignored. Um, although I'm going to go Tom McCarthy to block. 
Okay, finally, <laughs> here our very early prediction. Best picture, Big Short, Bridge of Spies, Brooklyn, Mad Max, Fury Road, The Martian, Revenant, Room, Spotlight, Mariah Gates, here on the Mad clock. Mad Max all the way. <laughs> um, hey, listen, you know what? If it wins, awesome sauce. Absolutely awesome sauce. I will be a happy, happy clam. Um, I'm going Spotlight. I think it's okay. the one that most people like. Spotlight's I, the classy move. Yeah, so I'm going to go with that. Um, and there we go. And and you know, and and I'm, this is this is the saddest part of my year because it means I'm like the furthest away from getting you back on the show. I got to figure <laughs> out a way to like get you a regular spot or something. We'll do like a monthly series on something. That's it for episode 151 of the Matinee Cast. Come on back <laughs> on Monday, February 1st for episode 152 i have no idea what we'll be discussing there's not a whole lot coming out at the end of january so we might be backing up and talking about a year-end holdover um but please come on back on the first um mariah of course can be found at her own site cinema-fanatic.com where else can people find you if they want to follow your work um pretty much anywhere that you can have a name on the internet my name is old films flicker except on youtube where i am coffee and movies because I've had that name for a long time. <laughs> it's my two favorite things. Yeah, yeah. So um, those are my places. There we go. Um, and follow her, because for the love of God, she watches so many great things, and as you know, is is never ever shy about pointing people towards stuff that uh, they may not otherwise find and will love. My site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can find them on Pocket Cast, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's Podcast app, and the iTunes Store. Everything gives you ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on any of the Oscar nominees we have mentioned today, why I am a big old dummy for not agreeing with Mariah or why she's awesome, uh, can be sent to <laughs> ryan at thematinee.ca twitter where i'm matinee underscore ca or facebook.com slash dark matinee mariah any final thoughts uh go see films directed by women here here including the there's two films in this in this uh feature films for amendment i meant to bring this up earlier mustang yes directed by a woman it's a it's a debut film it is beautiful it's platforming out it's going to be going into more and more theaters heading into march i think so check and see if you can see it. And then What Happened, Miss Simone is on Netflix. Ah, oh, yes. And it is so good. one of my favorite movies from last year. It is so good. such a great documentary. If you don't know anything about Nina Simone, which my mother who watched it with me didn't, and I was like, Mom, you're the one who's a baby boomer. Like, <laughs> what the hell? When it was over, she was like, how did I not know about Nina Simone? And I'm like, I don't know, Mom. But oh, now yeah. you do. So watch that. Definitely. Watch them. They're great. Well said. For Mariah, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee and at Oscar night.